Hey y'all, this is Trent. I am part of No Walls Worship, which is a alternative mobile offsite in the community kind of church thing that we do. And it's fun. And it's May 19th. It's Saturday. We're getting ready for my daughter's graduation little get together uh, with some of her friends this evening. It's a weird thing, y'all, when your kid is graduating from school. She was a squid. <laughs> At one point, she was a squid, and and now she's, I mean, I mean, technically, she's a full-grown human adult. Um, she doesn't always act like a full-grown human adult, but she's getting close. My mom always talks about how fun it is to watch your children uh, as grown-ups, and and I'm starting to get glimpses of that. It's a it's a neat thing. And there's other kids graduating too, like a really good special high quality crew of seniors this year uh, Jimmy Calhoun Evan Margiot Kristen Hicks Will Pittard uh, um, I know I'm forgetting somebody but a lot of this crew that when I was first going to Bee Creek and working in the youth group uh, kids that I first met there and have known over the years and known their parents and anyway uh, congratulations to those seniors and what a what a special group of people that is. Uh, let's see, No Walls, what's coming up is June. Uh, we're going to be first and third of June at Crystal Creek Distillery. We have found a nice little rhythm and home there and a really good partnership with the guys. On June 17th, it's Father's Day, and we're going to do a special Father's Day service. Uh, there's a little bit of a special thing happening, uh, Crystal Creek, that uh, you know, they've done moonshine and it's not just straight up moonshine. It's like flavored, fun, cool cocktails that they make out of moonshine, but they're making their first bourbon and releasing it that Saturday night before. And, um, if you have a father and you want to celebrate your father and your father likes bourbon, <laughs> uh, Crystal Creek would be a good thing to do on June 17th. And um, also the the little food truck that I think was called Something River Barbecue, or it, it had some Cajun flair to it. The food's really good. They've, named, they've uh, changed their name. It's going to be called the Dave's Shrimp Shack from now on. And what I understand is they're going to be moving that truck a little closer in towards the distillery so it'll be more of a natural part of the hangout there at the at that spot so um I, from what i understand they're excited that we're going to be there on sunday mornings at 11 o'clock and then they'll have food ready to roll at noon um so if you're coming june 17th bourbon dave's shrimp shack some good music maybe an encouraging word we're we're still planning that thing out but Father's Day, I think, will be fun. Um, yeah, so June 3rd, June 17th, 1st and 3rd of June, that's what we're getting rolling into. Uh, out there again tomorrow, May 20th, uh, 11 a.m. Uh, for our very next one. And I'll be delivering the message. And then I got a couple special guests for music, which is going to be super fun. And, um, well, with, with, <laughs> with all that said, let's roll into the message. I, um, the title this time is, um, who are you following? Titles, who are you following? Let's roll into it. This is going to sound kind of dumb, but 
for those of you that listen and come around to No Walls, you've learned uh, a lot about me. I tell stories about my life. I tell you the things that I like and that I don't like. I share with you about my flaws. I tell you what I struggle with. And even in the stories that aren't personal, you learn about me. You learn how I view the world. You learn the angle that I come at things. So what do you know about me so far? You know I have kids and that they kind of rule my life. You know I like beer. Uh, You know I don't like wearing shoes if I don't have to. I'll wear flip-flops every day of the week. Uh, You know I don't like shopping at HEB. It's not fun. Um, You know I go to Starbucks probably too much. (laughs) One of you came up to me after one of my messages and said, um, and I think they were kind of half kidding but also half not kidding, Uh, He said, if I have to sit through you tell one more story about being at Starbucks, I'm going to throw up. (laughs) He has this this thing, I think, about big corporate chains. Um, What else do you know about me? You know that I believe God is everywhere and in all things and that he cannot, um, God cannot be confined to a pew and a steeple. You know... uh, I hope you know that I believe Jesus and the example that he set and these stories that we read in the Bible, you know that I believe that and he is worth following. And you know I like sports. I I learned to love sports from my dad. My dad grew up in Chicago, my mom too. And my dad's dad, my granddad, his name was Glenn, Glenn Edwin Smith. He was a good man. Um, my dad's dad followed the Cubs. My dad followed the White Sox. Um, now, this kind of thing is not allowed in Chicago. <laughs> Families are not allowed one to like the Sox and the other one to like the Cubs. And, you know, I actually don't know this story. I, I think it has something to do with a shortstop, Louis Aparicio, my dad really liked as a kid. Um, I don't know the full story, though, of how he ended up liking the Sox and diverging from the fam- family pattern of liking the Cubs. But anyway, I don't know how it happened, and I think I'm, I'm kind of afraid to ask. Um, my dad followed the Sox, and he kind of halfway followed the Bears. I think you know I follow the Chicago Bears. But when we moved to the Dallas area, and this was, this was before I was born, my dad started following the Dallas Cowboys. I even have a picture of me, one picture that I've been trying to get rid of, of me in a Dallas Cowboys jersey at something like age two or three. Now that makes me want to vomit. I think my dad just liked Tom Landry, though, because after Jerry Jones fired Tom Landry, my dad was out on the Cowboys. Uh, Do do y'all, I don't know, maybe not everybody knows who Tom Landry is, Uh, legendary coach of the Cowboys, 1960 to 1988, 28 years, which doesn't happen anymore. 20, actually 29 full seasons. But um, Landry was a revered leader. He was an innovator of the game. Uh, fun fact, the shotgun formation where the quarterback is standing back and gets the ball you know, tossed back to him from a far distance, that was invented by Tom Landry. Um, revered leader, innovator. And if you're picturing Tom Landry now, you're picturing him in an iconic hat, that iconic hat. Landry wore a Saxon royal fur felt fedora. I think he had multiple, but the 
classic one was that Saxon royal fur felt fedora. And my dad, he had a hat like that too. My dad coached softball. He was a coach by nature, and he was also the principal of my school. He didn't coach the football team, but he often would be, as the principal of the school, be roaming the sidelines of the football games, and my dad would wear his hat, his felt fedora. I have this picture of my dad. It's in my brain, but I think it's an actual picture, too, of my dad roaming the sidelines, looking down thoughtfully at the zoysia grass, contemplating strategy wearing that hat. So it was, um, it was in the mid eighties, I think. Um, I'm about five to six years old. My mom told me that I was probably more like seven to eight years old, but this story is a little less embarrassing if I'm five to six years old. So anyway, in the mid eighties, I'm about five to six years old and my mom and dad, they take me and my sisters to Disney world. And y'all, I can remember being super pumped about it. I was Still young enough to have this thought in my head. Oh my gosh, this is where Mickey lives. (laughs) Right? I was excited. And I still remember walking through um, those gates in the main courtyard. And I remember there being perfectly kept stone pavers on the street. I remember expertly manicured topiaries, these bushes carved into Mickey Mouse ears. And I remember bright colors. The marketing was bright, the street signs were bright, and the flowers were bright. And there were Disney characters walking around, a passing princess, a giant Pluto walking around. I was in, this was had, this had to be kid heaven. And in all of the absorbing, absorbing that I was doing, I wasn't literally, but I I think in my head, I was figuratively spinning around, trying to take in all the glory of Disney World. And in that, I lost track of my dad. I couldn't find him or my family. I I turned, I turned again, I looked again, and they're nowhere to be seen. In the middle of this crowded Disney World entrance plaza, right at the beginning of what's supposed to be a magical trip, I'm lost. But this panic you're feeling for me right now And um, the panic I felt then, it probably only lasted a second, maybe two and one half seconds at most, because on a spin after the panic, I caught my dad out in the distance. My dad was wearing his Tom Landry hat. My dad was wearing the fedora. And I spotted him in the distance, maybe 35 yards up from me, I scoped him out, Tom Landry hat, check, khaki pants, check, general dad sized, <laughs> general dad sized height, check. So I followed him. I followed up behind him. I caught up and in a moment of relief, I reached my hand up and slid my hand into his and we walked along. I was holding, holding his hand for a minute and I could feel my heart starting to slow down from its racing and I began to look around at the marvel of Disney World again, comfortable, confident in the hand that was leading me. But then my dad stopped. My dad stopped walking, and so I stopped walking, and he looked down at me, 
he looked down at me and I looked up at him. I looked past the khakis and I looked up past the Tom Landry hat. It wasn't my dad, but another 30 something dude who all, <laughs> who also happened to be a Tom Landry fan. Now, I don't want you to be worried. Everything worked out fine. I wasn't stolen. I wasn't lost forever. I'm here, <laughs> right? My family was not too far behind. And they, were fo- they were following me. And later that day, they were laughing at me for grabbing a stranger's hand. My family, we like to kid. But I want to I wanna give you the punchline of the message. And I want to give it to you early. It's, it's the title of the message. My grandfather, um, he followed the Cubs. My dad, my dad followed the White Sox. I follow the Bears. My dad followed, admired, at least in the sense of his headwear, Tom Landry. I followed wrongly the dad-shaped, fedorid human through the entrance of Disney World. Y'all, the punchline is this. Who are you following? Now I want to look at what Jesus said about this. This is from a book called Luke. uh, And this is in Luke chapter 6. It's verse 39 through 40. And I'm actually going to read just a little bit around the passage because I want you to get the sense of how Jesus is teaching here. But I'm going to focus. I'm going to stop and focus on 39 and 40. And as I read, I just want you to hear and meditate on how simple these words are and how capital T, capital R, capital U, capital E, true, these words are. All right, this is Luke, and I'm going to, I'm just going to start in 37. Verse 37, do not judge others, and God will not judge you. Do not condemn others, and God will not condemn you. Forgive others, and God will forgive you. Give. (laughs) Give to others, and God will give to you. Indeed, you will receive a full measure, a generous helping poured into your hands, all that you can hold. That's just a beautiful line. Um, The measure you use for others is the one that will use that God will use for you. All right. That was 37 and 38. Now here's 39 and 40. 39. And Jesus told them this parable. One blind man cannot lead another one. If he does, both will fall into a ditch. That makes me laugh every time. Uh, no, no pupils are greater than their teacher, but all pupils, when they have completed their training, will be like their teacher. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure this matters, um, but this teaching is very similar to another teaching in Matthew. In Matthew, you have the Sermon on the Mount, on the mountain. And in Luke, we have the Sermon on the Plain. Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain. 
And a lot of the core content is the same. And we don't really know if this is the same message told differently um, by different authors, if this is a example of Jesus delivering a similar message at different times in different places. But it, the one thing I think maybe is important is this one in Luke is a little shorter. It's a little more to the point. It's a little more plain, like Sermon on the Plain, but P-L-A-N-E, P-L-A-I-N, and that clever Trent. <laughs> um, but here, here's what we know, and this is what is the really important part. In both messages there are people showing up to listen. People are starting to follow Jesus. In a world before Facebook events and evites and tweets and a world before something could go viral, people were traveling around by donking, by donkey or sandal just to hear this guy talk. They were hearing something in his words that were intriguing. They were inspired to literally follow Jesus. And here, even 2,000 years later, I mean, even if you're not a, you know, even if you don't come at your faith through the Christ tradition, I think the judge not lest ye be judged, the, you know, what you give you will be given I think you would follow that Um, anyway but these words ring true I mean just true and I think what's interesting is Jesus doesn't say who you should follow but he tells you the simple plain truth who you follow matters Now, I first started thinking about this in the context of social media, right? I mean, that's easy. Who are you following? I hear people complaining about Facebook sometimes. I complain about Facebook sometimes. I'll say, God, I I never get off of Facebook 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes and think, gosh, I'm better off for having spent that time. I'll hear people gripe that it's all so divisive and confrontational and full of drama. In my old neighborhood, we had this neighborhood Facebook group. And y'all, at least once or twice a month, it would get really nasty with folks arguing with each other and posting things they shouldn't. And we had these friends that lived down the street. The husband had to make the wife deactivate her Facebook account because she couldn't keep from following the group. And it would get her all worked up to the point of causing arguments and it would harm relationships that she had in the neighborhood. And y'all have heard people complain about the algorithm, right? The mysterious algorithm. Facebook controls what I see. And y'all, that's true. But all of this, Facebook decides on the algorithm. There can be drama on Facebook. Facebook is a time suck. That's also true. But what's also true is... Facebook can't show you posts if you haven't followed the page. Now, I know there's ads, but the bulk of it is stuff you have followed. There's stuff that I have followed. There's a complaint in here that masks a truth. The truth that you, we, I am accountable for who I follow. 
Am I following things that inspire me, that educate me, that provide me value? Am I following people that help me stay connected to the things I care about most? Or am I passively following things that have no substance that distract me from what matters most? Now, let me be careful because this is not a message to make you feel guilty about your social media habits or to make me feel guilty about my social media, media habits, though I am thinking harder about what I like and what I comment on and what I need to unfollow and who I need to, yeah. But I think there's just something way more meaningful here, just that we are responsible we have a choice in who we follow. Who you follow matters. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And I believe there are like internal, mental, psychological applications to this too. Um, here's what I know is true. Each of you has a narrative running in your head. Y'all, your brain, my brain is amazing. You are aware that you are aware and you have this ego or superego or whatever it's called that's constantly telling you who you are. And each of you sometimes has a voice that rings in your head that tells you negative things about you. Now you can call this part of your brain the brainstem, the lizard brain. A po- There's a popular leadership book that calls it the gremlin. You can call it the devil. But whatever you call it, this voice in your head is scared. It sees danger. It wants to fight or flight. This part of the brain tells me lies. Um, I... I'm, I'm going through something right now, um, something that I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about yet because I'm not through it yet and I'm not ready to have anything meaningful to say about it. But I can tell you just this little bit, this thing I'm going through is creating anxiety inside me. And y'all, the lizard brain, my gremlin, loves anxiety. It eats anxiety for breakfast and my gremlin is telling me all kinds of things about me it's saying you aren't good enough it's saying what if you don't recover it's saying well Trent why are you having such a hard time with this it's not that big of a deal you say you have all this faith in God (laughs) then why is this so hard on you Huh, some kind of faith you have. This is my gremlin's voice. And again, I have a choice. You know, this voice isn't going to go away. I don't, I don't think completely. I think it'll get quieter if I learn to tame it. But again, I have a choice. I get to choose who I follow. There's also a voice inside me. And y'all, if if you were in the room with me, I would point to you and I would say, you are kind. And I would point to you over there and say, 
you relate well to others. I'd point to someone else and say, you have an incredible story. You are loved. You are smart. You care about people. You, 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 you and you. You are a child of God. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. And you have a choice. You have a choice of who you listen to. Who are you following? So you can apply this question to social media. You can apply it to your mental state, the self-talk that you do every morning, every day. And maybe most importantly, you can apply this, who you are following, to the people around you. Here's where I want to close. Uh, I'm going to give you homework. And, uh, well, Mitzi told me the other day I should give you homework. (laughs) She said I should give people takeaways. Um, I tried to argue with her, but... So I'm going to experiment here. If you like this, um, then I want you to congratulate me on my ability to activate on good ideas. If you don't like this, then I want you to find Mitzi and tell her to stop meddling in my message prep. Um, I'm kidding. I love her. Uh, This, who are you following, is applicable to our relationships. And I want to give you a wild thought. Uh, I'm going to give you a wild thought that the more you think of it, think about it, the more you're going to realize it's true. Here it is. You, you, You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Now, I don't mean people you are in leadership relationships with or mentoring relationships or the people you're serving. I'm I'm talking about the people that you find rest in, the people you do life with, your core people. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The more you think about it, I promise, the more you'll see it's true. Because you would not be hanging out with that person unless you saw a little reflection of you in the mirror. So here's the homework. The question is, who are you following? Maybe you write it down. Maybe you make a list. Maybe you just spend some quiet time in prayer, meditation, dwelling on it. But I want to give you some questions to consider as you think about your five. Who are you following? Do they know you? I mean, do they really know you? Do they love you? Do they love you for you? Do they understand what makes you gifted and talented and a unique creation? Have you opened yourself up enough for that to happen? Do they inspire you? Do you learn from them? Do they stretch you? Do they help you grow? Together, are you following something deeper than status and accomplishments? And I don't even know the way we word this, but just everything that the world tries to pretend that matters. 
who are you following? There's a, there's a second part of this homework, um, but I realized that I'm out of time. Um, I mean, I guess I could keep going, but it, this feels like a contained message at this point. But if you're super serious about this homework and you want to know what the part two is, find me somewhere, you know, message me on Facebook or send me an email or whatever. And I'll tell you what the second part of the homework is. Um, but here's, here's how I want to close. Uh, I, want to, I want us to just open our ears and hear this really, really good word. This is Luke 6, 39 through 40. And Jesus told them this parable. One blind man cannot lead another one. <laughs> I swear I laugh at this every time. He, if he does, both will fall into a ditch. Verse 40. No pupils are greater than their teacher, but all pupils, when they have completed their training, will be like their teacher. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Had fun with y'all. See you next time.